Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This episode is brought to you in part by Noom. Forget one-size-fits-all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot Grab your copy of The Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. Progress, Channel 127. Thank you, you too, and the Soweto Gospel Choir. I'm John saying Welcome to Progress After Dark. This is Tell Me Everything. So glad to have you with us. There's a lot of news to compress. <laughs> There's all manner of disinformation, double-talk and jive, and rank right-wing fuckery that needs to be corrected. And you have come to the right place for the next three hours. We are going to bring good trouble to the right-wing bubble and take your calls at 866-997-GRIT. Oh, my God, this song is so good. Bring it up again. I'm sorry. I, this, oh. I'm not going to get to go to Vegas, but wow. Have you seen the footage from their residency in Vegas at the Sphere. It's like the most incredible production projection stage ever. And Paul McCartney was in the audience opening night. Jeez. We are at 866-997-4748. 866-997-GRIT. Tonight we're going to be joined by our good friends Bob Seska and Dr. Tracy Pearson to make sense of all the political mishigas. Last night we, we went from being sort of a talk show about the day's events into being a breaking news show with the removal of a Speaker of the House, which actually was completely predictable. Tonight, we're going to try to make some sense out of that and uh, talk for hours about who the replacement should be. I just, I'm kidding. Who cares who the replacement is? Do you care? Do you care who the replace, who the next Speaker of the House is? It's going to be an awful, bigoted white guy. How's that? It's going to be an awful, bigoted white guy who's going to have a choice of either getting stuff done or being held hostage by Donald Trump. There. Did I I spare you the suspense? It's going to be more of the same. I mean, Steve Scalise, Jim Jordan, Donald Trump. We'll make fun of that later on. Services for Senator Dianne Feinstein have begun in California. The former mayor is lying in state at San Francisco City Hall. Um, Actress Julia Armand. Just sued Harvey Weinstein for sexual battery over a 1995 dinner incident, and she cites CAA, Merrimax, and Disney for being complicit in condoning Weinstein's behavior. I'm always happy when there's new lawsuits against Harvey Weinstein. Uh, the CDC has ceased printing COVID vaccination cards. You can still ask for one when you go to get your shot. And around 75,000 Kaiser Permanente healthcare workers have gone on strike today across five states over wages 
and staffing shortages. This is the latest major labor movement in our country. Kaiser is one of the biggest insurers and healthcare system operators. And what a shock to know greedy health insurance companies don't take adequate care of their nursing employees. I mean, think about it. They're too busy charging premiums. They're too busy making a profit off of your disease. Uh, they, they provide health coverage for nearly 13 million people. You know, Joe Biden, you got to be seen on this picket line, too. I, I, I hate to tell you. I, I, I know you're not going to do SAG, and I get it. I understand why you won't do the SAG strike. Uh, but you got to be on the strike line with the Kaiser workers. And we'll explain why. You know, Biden's had a really busy week, and he's gotten a lot done already. But you wouldn't know it from glancing at the headlines. So let's talk about it. Our number is 866-997-GRIT. You're welcome to call anytime. And if you're one of our day walkers who listens on the podcast or on demand or on the app, you're always welcome to call in some night too, especially a night like tonight when we're light on guests. Chris Hauselt's our executive producer. Thea Harper is our producer out of Brooklyn. Let's talk about the man without a plan party. Now, um, I'm not a lawyer. But if you're in the process of losing a very public court case where the judge is also your jury and your entire real estate empire is about to be taken apart piece by piece, I I, I think it's not a good idea to constantly attack and belittle the presiding judge and his clerks. Again, the judge is the jury. Donald Trump has called for Judge Engeron in New York to be disbarred, criminally prosecuted, thrown out of office. He has called... New York Attorney General Letitia James, a racist and a monster because she is suing him successfully for fraudulently inflating his wealth and assets on his financial records. I mean, he swore in federal court he would not intimidate witnesses in his election interference case. And then he posts online, if you go after me, I'm coming after you. It almost, almost makes no sense. Trump's rhetoric and public outbursts have gotten a bit harsher. You might have noticed he's he's unraveling a bit. At least it seems he's unraveling a bit. He's not exactly the paragon of what we call impulse control. So it's hard to say, right? But in the last couple of weeks, I mean, he just said that former Joint Chiefs of Staff Chairman Mark Milley, the general, committed treason, suggested that he should be executed. Uh, he mocked Nancy Pelosi's husband, who was brutally assaulted with a hammer to the head by a home intruder. He said Jack Smith, who's prosecuting Trump in the January 6th in the documents case, is a a psycho who looks like a crackhead. (laughs) And he said migrants that are crossing into the U.S. are poisoning the blood of our country. Ooh, that sounds better in the original German. I mean, look, it's been crazy trying to figure out why is he attacking his own judge so relentlessly in the New York case. He's been going after the AG, saying that the judge should be disbarred. He said he actually said some people have said that the judge could be charged criminally for what he's doing. Um, Yeah, uh, fact check. No, no one has said anything like this. No, there are no some people who have any credibility, who aren't being paid by Donald Trump, who said anything like this. But Trump said it. He's interfering with an election. It's a a disgrace. Because that's Trump's big complaint, right? Have you been paying attention this week in New York? I know it got overshadowed by the speaker news yesterday. But Donald Trump is saying he wants to be on the campaign trail. He should be in Iowa, New Hampshire. But gosh darn it, he's obliged to be here for this trial. Now, this judge already ruled against Trump on the main claim brought by the state that he inflated his net worth fraudulently in some financial statements for the insurers and the lenders for the Trump organization and then would tell the banks he made less than he made. But there are significant claims remaining. This trial is going to mainly determine how much Trump's going to have to pay 
and it could be up to a quarter of a billion dollars. But then yesterday, he got kind of wacky. Someone with a Twitter account of only 200 or so members posted a picture of one of Engoron's law clerks who had gone to some event in New York City and posed for a photo with her senator. In this case, it would be New York Senator Chuck Schumer. So Donald Trump posted the picture, somehow found this account with no followers, spread the photo all over the place, and accused the law clerk of being Schumer's girlfriend. The woman had to actually make her Instagram private because she was getting harassed by racists and bigots, and you know what we're talking about. So, right, it, it almost makes no sense. So Judge Arthur Engeron imposed a gag order on Donald Trump after he attacked the clerk online. And he said, if you go after anyone in this court, you'll pay a price. I mean, the woman was sitting in the same courtroom and all this happened. It almost makes no sense. And Donald Trump's been spending two and a half days going to a civil trial ever, every day. I mean, since when does he have the attention span to show up in the same place three days in a row? Well, here's why. He's using this fraud trial and the next six trials he's facing to raise money, to campaign, to play victim. He is in the Manhattan courthouse not because he has to be. He said, I'd rather be right now in Iowa, I'd rather be in New Hampshire or South Carolina or Ohio or a lot of other places. He said, uh, this is politics, okay? I've been sitting at a courthouse all day long instead of being in Iowa. It's a lie. And it almost makes no sense. Like as a legal strategy, right? You tell your client, no, don't do this. Don't go out and lie about the judge. Uh, and, and, and again, don't lie about the fact that you didn't get a jury trial. He doesn't have a jury trial for one reason. His lawyers check the box to have a judge be the adjudicant in this case, not a, not a jury. His own lawyers opted to not request a jury. And yet he's saying he's being victimized because he didn't get a jury. And he's showing up in the cameras every day right outside the courtroom to scream about the witch hunt. Well, today was the first day that Donald Trump had the gag order imposed on him. The judge said, personal attacks on members of my court staff are unacceptable, inappropriate, and I won't tolerate them in any circumstances. So here's Donald Trump in the morning crying about a witch hunt trial with no jury, without any shame or irony. Uh, is a total witch hunt, and I should be entitled to a jury like everybody else is entitled to a jury. I have no rights to have a jury. It's ridiculous. Thank you very much. Okay, there were two lies in one sentence there. He can be campaigning. He's there voluntarily. He doesn't have to be in the courtroom. He's doing it because that's where the cameras are. He's doing it because it's the cheapest way for him to get on camera and campaign. And there is no jury because his own counsel requested not to have a jury. So it's a complete lie. It's two lies. He does have a plan, though. It's just a pathetically desperate one. Here's the deal. He's lying about how he campaigned. Doesn't have to be here. I mean, there's no requirement he's there. He's not compelled legally to show up in the courthouse. But his campaign believes this is the best use of their funds and of his time. I, I think he thought his supporters were going to show up and disrupt the hearings. He's not holding any rallies because, in case you haven't noticed, the rally crowds are getting smaller. So now the criminal case is a great way for him to go and have the media come to him. I don't think he's going to be showing up anymore, however. Uh, uh, Celia Mosin of Bloomberg said Trump is on the campaign trail and he's using the court and the trial to sow more seeds of distrust and talk to his base. 
But here's the proof he was only showing up in court for the fundraising, because as soon as the judge hit him with the gag order, Trump left at lunch break, hopped on his plane, and left Manhattan. He flew out of the city. His non-mandatory attendance at the trial was all about raising money and getting media attention. He didn't even say when he'd be back to New York. He's gone back to his retirement home in Florida. And his campaign's been very open about how they're going to use all of these trials, all of the crimes, and all the accountability that's coming for him as a way to fundraise. And I think it's great. Try and squeeze one more nickel out of all of those rubes. Go ahead. Get the most gullible white folks in America to give more money to a billionaire. But again, as soon as he couldn't hold court outside the courtroom and shoot off his gigantic big mouth consuming mouth, he had no reason to stick around. So now the Donald Trump show essentially has been canceled in Manhattan. And that's not me saying that. That's Tish James. Once Trump left town, once he surrendered to reality and scurried away like the coward he is, in his impotent rage, Tish James showed up in the same spot to let the reporters know what time it is. Here's the attorney general. Trump's comments were offensive. They were baseless. They were void of any facts and or any evidence. What they were were comments that unfortunately fomented violence, and comments that I would describe as race baiting, and comments unfortunately that appeals to the bottom of our humanity. This case was brought simply because it was a case where individuals have engaged in a pattern and practice of fraud. And I will not sit idly by and allow anyone to subvert the law. And lastly, I will not be bullied. And so Mr. Trump is no longer here. The Donald Trump show is over. This was nothing more than a political stunt. She nailed it. I mean, relentlessly antagonizing the judge who's also your jury. It seems pretty stupid, right? It seems like legal kamikaze. But again, this is how scared he is. This is how bad the charges against him are. This is the only thing he can do is try to have a, a re-election and that will be his get-out-of-jail-free card. Complaining about no jury after your own lawyers turned down the chance to have a jury, that means you can blame it to your followers and to the voters and eventually the Supreme Court, one-third of which you hired, you can sell it to them as one biased judge. Let me tell you something. At some point, a judge is going to revoke Trump's bail. But today he showed he's chicken. Now, from the man with a bad plan, let's talk about the man with no plan party. Because Kevin McCarthy is gone. In fact, the entire house is gone. They've all taken recess for the rest of the week. Did they ever fire your boss and give you the rest of the week off? Well, his gavel's gone. He's the first speaker to ever be removed through a vote of his own colleagues. Because the GOP's at war with each other. That's what you need to know. They are. And this was all because he committed the sin of working with Democrats to keep your government from shutting down. And now McCarthy says he's not going to try and get the job back. And he shouldn't. I mean, he pandered to the MAGA people. He pandered to the far right wing so hardcore that he had nothing to offer Democrats who would have worked with him because the Democrats, apparently, not all of them, but as a party, they're there to help people. I'm sorry, but I've never been a Democrat. But man, they are showing up every day. And the Senate Republicans were disgusted by what happened. Mitt Romney said it's a pathway to chaos. John Cornyn called it disgraceful. This thing passed 216 to 210, thanks to the votes against McCarthy from the eight Republicans and all the Democrats. The Democrats made up the majority of votes to remove McCarthy. But as we discussed last night, this was all because of Matt Gates, who says he's angry that McCarthy worked with the Democrats, that Gates 
just fucking worked with. <laughs> so McCarthy on Face the Nation this weekend said, uh, I wasn't sure it was going to pass. You know why? Because the Democrats tried to do everything they can to not let it pass. So the Democrats are like, whoa, dude, we just saved your job and saved the government. And now you're going to lie about us. Democrats did not vote to get rid of McCarthy. The Republicans did. The Democrats voted to stop bailing him out. So the Republican Party needs to lie about this. And boy, howdy, have they been. Because you'd think if you're a Republican mad about Kevin McCarthy being removed, you got to be mad at Matt Gates, not the Democrats. The Democrats left it to the Republicans to decide what they wanted to do. McCarthy agreed to this terrible plan to let one member have the power to call for a motion to vacate. So now the Republican House is trying to put out a dumpster fire that they created. So they're going to try and say, hey, where's that bad smell coming from? I think it's Democrats. They responded to this latest humiliation, this self-inflicted circular firing squad move by trying to get the media to blame the Democrats for what happened. Because the Democrats should have voted to save Kevin McCarthy. You know Kevin McCarthy, the one who's launched this completely bullshit impeachment investigation into Joe Biden. You know, Kevin McCarthy who kicked Ilhan Omar and Eric Swalwell and Adam Schiff off their committee assignments when they did nothing wrong. You know, the one who censored Adam Schiff because he was the manager of the first impeachment against Donald Trump and Trump was guilty. Oh, oh, the Democrats... Democrats should have saved this guy. Democrats have nothing to do with this. Let me say that again. The Democrats have nothing to do with what happened to Kevin McCarthy. Ari Fleischer, who knows a thing or two about lying to gullible white folks, he tweeted, Unbelievable. The Democrats, with the help of Matt Gates and a handful of GOP members, just ousted the Republican Speaker of the House. What a mess. This is so foolish. Why would anyone want to be Speaker of the House? Ari Fleischer was George W. Bush's press secretary, and he's now gone from gaslighting the world into blaming Iraq for 9-11 to now gaslighting Republicans into blaming Democrats for Republican dysfunction. That's the play. Gaslighting the Dems for the Republican deficiency. This is how their gaslighting works. This is GOP disinformation to their low, low, low information voting base. I mean, it took 15 votes for Kevin McCarthy to convince his own Republicans to make him speaker. Here's Mark Wayne Mullen, a congressman from Oklahoma, talking earlier today. He's one of the few to lay the blame for this exactly where it belongs. And you'll want to lean in on this because Mark Wayne Mullen decided to spill the tea about the kind of man Matt Gates is. You're going to hear him say some things. Remember, these things have all been reported already. But for whatever reason, our media chooses not to talk about it. Here is Representative Mullen. You got to think about this guy. Um, this is a guy Gates. that didn't have that the media didn't give a time of day to after he was accused of sleeping with an underage girl. And there's a reason why no one in the conference came and defended him, because we had all seen the videos he was showing on the House floor that all of us had walked away of the girls that he had slept with. He'd brag about how he would uh, crush ED medicine and 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 chase it with um, with an energy drink so he could go all night. This is obviously before you got married, and so when that accusation came out no one defended him and then no one on the media would give him a time of the day all of a sudden he found fame because he opposed the speaker of the house back in november and he's always stayed there and he's not he was never going to leave until he got this last moment of fame by saying by by going after a motion to vacate that's who did it matt gates and his insane clown posse it is not the job of the democratic members of the house to save the gop from themselves. This is self-inflicted disaster. Matt Gates did it. The establishment Republicans are so mad that the Democrats would not agree to what? Be in some kind of abusive relationship with McCarthy, who obstructs them, attacks them, and lies about them? 
Democrats didn't want to have more of that. So now they're going to gaslight everyone like this man baby they've got with a bow tie. What's this guy's name, Chris? Who's this guy again? I refuse to learn his name. This this mediocrity standing <laughs> on the Apple box. Orville, what's his name? Patrick McHenry. Patrick McHenry. Thank you. Oh, my God. Give me douchebags or give me death. Patrick McHenry, who's out there now trying to blame this all on the Democrats, this this child, this man baby. Here's earlier today on Sirius XM POTUS, Congressman Jim Himes of Connecticut, on why it is ridiculous to go after Democrats for not doing enough to help Kevin McCarthy from being eaten by his own squad. Put, put the shoe on the other foot. Do you seriously believe that if Pelosi were, were, were falling over the way Kevin did, that a single Republican would say, yeah, come on, not a chance? Um, and secondly, um, look, I, I told my Republican friends that though it is challenging, um, the Democratic Party is the party that fights chaos. We demonstrated that when we voted for the CR, even though Kevin gave us no time to read it on Saturday. We demonstrated that when we voted for the, um, the uh, debt ceiling deal. We, we are here to stop chaos. Now, that, 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 doesn't, that doesn't mean we're going to sort of jump right in and say, hey, Kevin, you know, that's a negotiation. And that's why, again, I'm puzzled that Kevin didn't take his two days. <laughs> but again, House Republicans show what a complete, total, catastrophic governing failure looks like. Mitt Romney isn't blaming the Democrats. He, he said, I think Speaker McCarthy made the decision to get as close as he possibly could to the radical wing of his party. And by doing that, he made it virtually impossible for the Democrats to come to his aid. Oh, my God. When you make Mitt Romney look sage like Kevin could have saved his job by working with Democrats, but he was too stupid and mean and partisan. And they're idiots. They have no plan for the next speaker. They have no plan B. So now we get to watch Jim Jordan versus Steve Scalise. One of these guys will be the speaker. <laughs> David Duke without the baggage versus the wrestler molester protector. Meanwhile, let's talk about Joe Biden, because you know what Joe Biden's done this week? Uh, he just announced that an additional 125,000 Americans have been approved for $9 billion in debt relief through fixes his White House made to income-driven repayment and public service loan forgiveness and canceling debt for borrowers with total and permanent disabilities. The announcement the White House made today brings the total approved debt cancellation by the Biden-Harris White House to $127 billion for nearly $3.6 million Americans, $5.2 billion in additional relief for 50,000 borrowers under the Public Service Loan Forgiveness Program, almost $3 billion in new relief for 51,000 borrowers through fixes to income-driven repayment, $1.2 billion for nearly 22,000 students who have a total or permanent disability. 3.6 million people just got $127 billion in student loan debt erased. Joe Biden's White House is helping millions of people. He can't erase all student loan debt. The courts have said only an act of Congress can get rid of every dollar. But Biden is doing everything he can through the executive branch to try and implement the law and use his power to bring as much relief as possible. And the media won't talk about it. They just announced yesterday major drug companies, including Johnson & Johnson, Merck and Bristol-Myers, are finally going to participate in Medicare drug price renegotiations with the government and the media can't cover it. The Republicans are going to keep stepping in it. They're going to keep on punching themselves in the face while blaming Democrats. And Joe Biden is there, drama free, using the office to help people. Biden erased nine billion in student loan debt, and the Republicans won't stop punching themselves in the face. We want to know what you guys think. We're at 866-997-4748. Really quick break. We'll be right back with the great Bob Seska and your calls. This is Progress.
Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Hey, everybody, it's Michael Steele, host of the Michael Steele podcast. Each week, I discuss key political and cultural issues joined by America's leading activists, experts and academics for conversations that transcend political boundaries. And that's the point. I want you to join me as we work through real solutions, have honest conversations, just keeping it real and having a little fun on the side. So listen to the Michael Steele podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, or wherever you get your podcasts on, because you know I love it when you do. This is SiriusXM. I'm John Fugelsang. This is Tell Me Everything, bringing good trouble to the right-wing bubble. Man, I am so lucky to get Bob Seska to slum it with us every Wednesday. If, uh, you know what, guys? If you ever have a chance to blackmail a talented person, I say take it, because that's the only way we get Bob to show up. He's the host of The Bob Seska Show, one of the best podcasts to deal with both politics and music. You might love him from his columns at Salon or Stephanie Miller appearances. Mr. Seska, welcome back. Happy hump day. Thank you so much, John. By the way, are you haircut boy? Are you haircut uh, yes. boy today? I, That's yes, incredible. I, I got it. I got it. I cut another six inches off last right. week. Yeah, I've, I've now cut. Looks good. I have, thank you. I have, I have cut, I believe, 15 inches off my hair uh, since I reached my, <laughs> my peak uh, where I was trying to look like, uh, you know, if Beethoven had a child with Loki. That was the look I was going for. <laughs> like, I call it the, the goth country singer with that sort of yeah. like uh, mange of a pet hoarder look. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, it's getting shorter and shorter. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you looked great with the long hair and the new haircut looks good, too. So, yeah, well, don't put you yourself so down. Looks awesome. No, no. Yeah. I, listen, as many ways as I can manifest my depression, I, I'm, I'm there for it. <laughs> hey, Bob, you know what? Let's begin yes. with something positive. Can we begin with something positive? <laughs> um, sure. Let's do it. Senator, Senator Patty Murray is now third in line to the presidency because we have no speaker of the house. We always focus on the negative. But if <laughs> the president and vice president are both killed in some untimely, horrible way, you know, the house speaker is third in line for the White House. That would have been technically Kevin second in line. Yeah, second because, in line. Sorry. Know, the vice president's right. first in line. It's first yeah, in line. Yeah. So second in <laughs> sorry line. Sorry to go Aaron Sorkin on you. But yeah, no, it's right. I love your pedantic bullshit. Go ahead and put me in my place. It's <laughs> See, I deserve that. third in line. Third. OK, you're right. The third person, okay. but second in line. Yes. So that now falls to the Senate president pro tempore, which is Senator Patty 
Murray. So yeah. that's just hanging over the Republicans until they can finally decide who they want their new speaker to be, David Duke without the baggage or the wrestler <laughs> molester protector. These are your choices. Yeah. Where, yeah. Where do we begin to talk about this dysfunction they're trying to blame on Democrats, Bob? I have a bit of a fun fact for you regarding uh, the House Republicans and their choices for Speaker of the House. Do you know the longest serving Republican Speaker of the House? Indeed, I do. He's Dennis Haster, that's right. The pedophile. <laughs> so the mm-hmm. best guy that they've been able to produce in that post turned out to be the pedophile. Oh, uh, exactly. What, yeah, what Bob. I was talking. I was talking last night. Look at the last five. The last yeah. five. I mean, the last five Republican speakers of the House. It's it's. It's like the New Jersey governor. It's a cursed job. <laughs> like, Newt Gingrich, who left in disgrace. Denny right. Hastert, who didn't live in disgrace, but is going to be in jail for raping underage people for the rest of his life. Right. Uh, yep. John Boehner, that orange drunk left in disgrace. Paul yeah. Ryan, chased out by his own squad. And now Kevin McCarthy, the only speaker to be voted out by his own party in history. Bob, Republican speakers of the House is the spinal tap drummer of government jobs. <laughs> Yeah, that's absolutely true. I don't know why anyone would want that job at this point, at least on the Republican side, uh, because it seems like it's a death sentence as soon as you get up there. And as soon as you try to do anything reasonable, that's it. The rodeo clown caucus is all over you and you're doomed. You're absolutely screwed. I mean, let's take a look at what Kevin McCarthy actually did here. He cut a deal to keep the government open with the Democrats, and it wasn't even a great deal. It didn't even no. have the Ukraine funding in it. That's and right. and yet the Democrats worked with him on that. The last grownups in American politics, the Democratic Party, did their job, and Kevin McCarthy did his job. Let's let's call this what it is. Kevin McCarthy did his job, and for that he has been he has been frog marched out of that post. And uh, disgraced, humiliated by this group, by these eight people, these eight Republicans who are just absolutely addicted to chaos. That's the only analysis I can come up with. And I always go back to this Billy Crudup line from The Morning Show. He said, uh, I think it was in season one, he said, chaos is the new cocaine. And Matt Gates is up through his eyeballs, zonked out on on chaos. (laughs) Maybe cocaine, too. I mean, I don't know about that, but. Yeah, it's a little of both, I think. And that's uh, that's what's ultimately doomed Kevin McCarthy. I mean, right now, the only three names being discussed at all for speaker are Donald Trump, of course, which Matt Gates said he was going to try for in 2021. That'll never happen because Trump would have to work. uh, So that will not happen. (laughs) Right. Uh, But now it's just Steve Scalise, who it's hard to think of a, 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 a more evil member of the Republican House, the man who described himself as David Duke without the baggage, who voted against fair pay for women, who's voted against anything, giving dignity to LGBTQ Americans, and who, of course, made it easier for mentally ill people to get guns. And then what happened? A mentally ill person shot him, and his life was saved by a black, lesbian, married D.C. cop. So that guy versus (laughs) Jim Jordan, who, as you mentioned, Mm -hmm. um, is really good at looking the other way when things go down in the locker room. I, I, I literally... I'm so here for it, Bob, because I think yeah. if you can't make it George Santos, who they deserve to have as their standard bearer, either one of these guys will be fine. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, with Steve Scalise, again, I don't know why he would want that job. I don't know why. And and all I can I think, think he, I think he wanted it is, last January. I think he wanted uh, it last January. That's possible. But now seeing what's happened to Kevin McCarthy in this period of time, knowing the strength of that ridiculous clown car caucus, 
I don't know why he would want it. It's sort of like, you know, Johnny, compare it kind of to all these people that surround Donald Trump, that want to get close to Donald Trump. Sidney Powell, this guy, Scott Hall, who just cut a deal. These nimrods who went in and invaded uh, the Coffee County uh, Election Center and started photocopying documents all to help Donald Trump. And now they're up to their eyeballs in RICO charges. Right. And we could do this list all damn day. All these people who decided, hey, let's get close to Donald Trump because I hear the seats on Air Force One are really cushiony and it's <laughs> really wonderful to be in his presence somehow for some reason that escapes logic. But they keep doing it. There are still people who will represent Donald Trump in court, knowing what he does to them. Look what he did to John Kelly today. John Kelly, who he not only hired to be Homeland Security Secretary, in his one pathetic, awful, nightmarish term. But then he upped John, promoted John Kelly to be chief of staff, basically a co-president, right? And now he's saying he's got a small brain or whatever thing he was screaming on Troth Central today. It was just, I mean, it was as though none of that ever happened. None of it, like Donald Trump promoting John Kelly never happened. People need to know that John Kelly this week set the record straight with an on the record confirmation of a bunch of stories that are there around Trump. And he said, you know, he said a person that thinks those who defend their country in uniform or are shot down or wounded in combat or spent years being tortured as POWs are all suckers because there's Mm -hmm. nothing in it for them. A person who did not want to be seen in the presence of military amputees because it doesn't look good for me. A person who demonstrated open contempt for the Gold Star family on TV and rants that our most precious heroes who gave their lives in America's defense are losers and wouldn't visit their graves in France. He went on and on. That's only a third of it. He went on about everything. He just Mm -hmm. told the truth. And of course, We've learned how much MAGA really cares about the military or Republicans when they speak up against their God. It's incredible, John. I'm sure you remember those uh, weeks and years after 9-11 where the left, where Democrats were routinely uh, pilloried and hectored for being unpatriotic. We don't support the troops. The Republican Party branded supporting the troops. They tried to brand American patriotism where the American flag was almost at that point in time synonymous with being a Republican. That's how closely held they drew the idea of American patriotism. And now what has happened? The the leader of that party has uh, is on record. Well, I mean, he hasn't I mean, we don't have a tape of it, but he's quoted as saying all of these horrible things about the troops. He's I, you know, I wish yeah. the Democratic Party, I wish people who are writing messaging, I wish some of these super PACs and, and third party or uh, outside organizations running ads and videos right now would start to frame Donald Trump as unpatriotic and I wish. Uh, he hates the troops. I think this is something that needs I mean, to actually be so, said because it's I mean, true. Yeah, it's so true completely. Yeah. He just was calling, essentially saying that the turn, that, that Joint Chiefs Chairman General Milley deserved to be executed. I mean, like he. Yeah. He keeps doing it. He has no respect for the armed forces and he hasn't for years. But again, it's a cult and they don't care. And he knows it's a cult. And that's why I think he's been until he got the gag order. We were talking about how he's been showing up here in New York City in court every day until today, because after he lied about one of the uh, clerks and said that she was uh, uh, Schumer's girlfriend, the judge slapped the the judge, right, it feels so long ago, it was yesterday, mm-hmm. the judge slapped the gag order that Trump couldn't badmouth anyone in the court anymore, mm-hmm. and Trump, like a coward, left at lunch break and left New York City and flew back to his retirement home down south.
Like, yeah. A judge, I mean, literally, I think, wow, maybe Donald Trump will behave in a court if a judge scares him enough. Yeah, the, the problem with that is it's, I think, too little too late with that gag order. I, I would love to be able to celebrate the gag order, and I'm sure it pissed off Donald Trump, and that makes me happy. But ultimately, everyone knows what he's all about. Everyone knows how he operates. Everyone knows what he says, including Judge Chutkin, including the judge in Georgia whose name escapes me right now. But obviously, uh, Judge Engeron. We, yes. They've all seen Donald Trump operating publicly and, and they've seen what he says about public officials, members of the court and so on, officials of the court. And so they should have applied this gag order at the very beginning, knowing what he was. all. I guess they need some sort of grounds to file the gag, the gag order. Yes. But the problem is right now. Th that woman's name is out. The clerk's name is out. The screaming is done. And now it's up to Donald Trump's proxies in the Red Hat Entertainment Complex to pick up the baton and start running with it. So yes. Donald Trump really it doesn't even matter at this point that Donald Trump had that gag order applied to him because the name is already out. The damage has been done. So what are you going to do at this point? I mean, it, it, it baffles me that there hasn't been an additional gag order applied to Donald Trump to you know protect the judge to protect uh AG James and so on but that's it right uh, the fact that yeah. the fact that Trump turned his tail and left the state after this gag order after he couldn't hurl insults anymore because he was only doing it for the fucking fundraising anyway Bob yeah other yeah. other judges are going to see this and they will threaten to revoke his bail someone was someone's going to do it unless he behaves and today I, he was brought to heel I, I hope they do. I hope they do that before someone gets injured, because it, it just this can't continue on and on and on uh, indefinitely with him continuing to uh, to issue vague threats, stochastic terrorism yep. uh, to to constantly be feeding his disciples with this awfulness about the people who are now in charge of his fate, which is these, uh, you know, four or five different courts. And so it's just a matter of time before one of these nuts who support Donald Trump goes out and does something uh, horrible. And that's it. I, I hope they I hope these guys I hope some of these judges start to take action now before it's too late. And my concern is maybe it is maybe it is too late at this point. Let me uh, let me go to the phones and bring our listeners into this. We're at 866-997-4748. I do want to talk to you about Elon Musk, though. But uh, let's go to okay. Marie in Atlanta. Marie, good evening and welcome. You're on Sirius XM with the great Bob Seska. Hello. Hello. Can you hear Hi. Me? Uh, welcome. There yes. she is. Oh, oh thank goodness. <laughs> Hi. How are you, counselor? I call, John. Sure. <laughs> good to speak with you, Bob. So oh, great. Thanks. Great to thing. speak with you. <laughs> here's the thing about the judge's clerk. Um, you know, the judge... He either ran for or put his name in the process to be appointed to um, what is essentially a political position. Um, and, you know, as a politician, you you sign up for what comes with the gig, right? And okay. that, that can include insults and a whole lot of other stuff. Um, but a judicial clerk, um, they're, they're behind the scenes. They're just doing the work, helping the judge to, you know, handle some of the caseload, to manage some of the research that has to go on, to do supplemental research for briefs or motions or things like that. So they are not political. There's no right. political process in hiring a clerk. So yeah, of course. Trump, Trump going out to her was wholly inappropriate. 
And yeah. given the fact that she's not a political being, hers is not a political role, and she's had to shut down her Instagram page and who knows what else. I mean, yeah. I see this as being somewhat analogous, albeit not exactly the same, to what happened with Ruby and Shay. Yeah. You know, they've, same thing. Oh, yeah. their, they've set their dogs after her. She should be able, this clerk should That's be able it. to file for defamation. Demonize, demonize a low-level public servant and, uh, and use that to distract from your own criminality. Do we know if this young woman is black? Because it'll make a lot more sense if she is. I don't know. That I don't know. I'm not, that's I'm Trump's not playbook. You know that's his playbook. But go ahead, Counselor. Oh, yeah. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Uh, but, I mean, the, the fact that he tailored the order simply to um, prohibit comments about the court staff uh, I think that was perfect. It was absolutely yeah. perfect. He can't, you know, Trump can't really complain about somehow being prohibited from free speech because he can say whatever he wants about the po- the politicians, right? Tish James, the judge, but he can't go after just these low level people who are just doing their jobs. Um, and I think that that tailoring that but that's but it's, uh, punching down is all he's ever done. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Exactly. Well, and you know. His his statement about I uh, I should have a jury. Uh, this isn't fair. I should have a jury. Yes, he has a right to a jury. He also has a right to competent counsel. Having failed at the latter, apparently hmm. she didn't secure him the former. That's it. That's it. That's it. You nailed it, Marie. Thank you so much for the call and classing up our airwaves as you do, Bob. Any any thoughts on uh, on Trump's future? Yeah, you you were mentioning uh, fundraising a second ago. I, I think there's another ulterior motive behind his appearances outside the courtroom in the last couple of days, and that is the fact that I, I think he's afraid. I, I think on some level, and and our friend Mary Trump has confirmed the fact that Donald Trump, in spite of his wide array of uh, abnormalcy, uh, he can still experience fear. And I think he's afraid of losing his base. And I think all of this screaming, all of this, uh, to an extent, adjudicating these cases in uh, in front of a microphone, in front of uh, cameras and so on, is about making sure that his base hears the right message coming out of this, that they don't that they don't hear what's being presented in court and that instead they hear what he's saying. And all of these networks like Newsmax and RSBN and the others will only play the Trump part, the Trump half of that dynamic. And then the intention is to keep all of those people, all of the red hats in line and making sure they vote for him and, of course, continue to feed Save America PAC and his campaign and so on with plenty of cash emptying their checking accounts like they're going and seeing a faith healer or some sort of traveling uh uh, revival show or something and 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 handing over their checkbooks (laughs) to donald trump like idiots and so that's it's all it's all about them it's all about because we always wonder i just think about this too like who's he trying to convince this is not admissible in court none of this stuff that he's saying i mean i guess it is admissible in court but it's not like He's he's on the stand testifying. Eventually, he's, he's going to be. Yeah, eventually, he's going to be trying to convince the Supreme Court, one third of which yeah. were appointed by him, that he should have had a jury trial. And this judge hated him and the AG hated him. Mm-hmm. And it was all a hoax. Um, yeah. While I have you, Bob, we only have a couple minutes, but I did want to ask sure. you about this really fascinating report on Matt mm-hmm. Al the other night uh, about Elon Musk and how it turns out that his whole reason for Twitter buying it may be uh, this guy, Darren Beatty, who used to work for Matt Gates. He's a white nationalist. Yeah blogger 
And he pretty much wrote this blueprint that was called the Declaration of War Against the Globalist American mm-hmm. Empire. Uh, what exactly happened in this story? Okay, so uh, he didn't just write for Matt Gates. He was he also wrote for Donald Trump. He also worked in yeah. the Trump White House. And it he turns did. out he was too white nationalist for too Donald racist Trump. For Trump, yes, <laughs> yeah. So they fired him when he showed up at this panel for V Dare, which mm-hmm. is a white nationalist group. Right? They, they yep. their name is taken after the alleged first child to be born in the quote unquote New World by Europeans. Oh. Uh, Virginia Dare. That's where that oh, comes right. from. Oh, right. Okay. Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so this guy, this guy, Darren Beatty, appears on this panel. Trump fires him. And then he goes and works for Matt Gates. Uh, and then he has this website that I'm not going to name. And this right. website published this article before Elon Musk bought Twitter, laying out a four step plan for Elon Musk when he gets Twitter. What's yes. going to happen as and, and the the guiding force behind this four point plan is to uh, is to uh, seize Twitter and snatch it away from the quote unquote globalists, which is, of course, which a dog. A code whistle word, for yes, Jews, but see, right? seize Twitter and wreck it deliberately yes. wreck Twitter. Yes. That's part and of that's it. yeah. Right. So we we've seen the first three steps of this plan play out as this horror show on Twitter. These the first three steps of the four step plan. Elon Musk has done those things. The fourth one is going to be deplatforming Twitter. And that remains and, and, to be seen. And blame the Jews, which which he did. <laughs> right. By yes, saying globalist, course. but also by blaming the ADL for defaming yep. him. So I think that was literally, step two or something. Yeah, yeah. Everything this white nationalist said Elon should do, Elon has done. And right. we're left to wonder if this is just coincidence or not. Yeah. Bob, yeah. Bob Seska, I mean, what is the best way for our listeners to follow you and keep up with all your many doings? Well, you can follow my podcast at bobseskashow.com and everywhere you get your podcasts. Also, Instagram, the Bob Seska is my Instagram handle. Follow me there. Bob, we didn't have enough time tonight. Thank you so much <laughs> okay. for being so Thanks, smart about friend. so many things. We'll see you next time. Right back with your calls. A full hour of Open Phones is coming up next. This is Progress. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. This is SiriusXM Progress. I'm John Fugelsang. Let me go to Rich in Indiana. Rich, thank you for waiting on hold. You're on SiriusXM. Hey, man, thank you. When you thank said you. that Chuck Heston was 100 today, I thought of the uh, scene at the end of uh, Beneath the Planet of the Apes where it's Taylor's bloody fingers. It's doomsday. <laughs> yes. People forget the head of the NRA also destroyed the Earth with a weapon. In there it was. The Planet of the Apes sequel. A small blue planet no longer... <laughs> circling the sun that's a deep anyway. cut by the way i i tried watching beneath the yeah. planet of the apes a couple of years ago and i was like uh-huh. i can't believe this is what i was into as a child oh my god that yeah. film is dark and the sequel escape from the so, planet of the apes is yeah. so much darker <laughs> and the sequel to that conquest of the planet of the apes is crazy dark it has ricardo montalban in it it's so crazy Good for you for remembering the sequence of it all, too. And, oh, uh, yeah, I those movies were how, intense. How Zaya's, Zaya's, Zaya's baby is Caesar. 
and uh, they end. Mama. Not Zaius. No, Zaius is an orangutan. Zaius oh, is the sorry, orangutan. Cornelius and Zira, the the chimpanzees, thank are the parents of Baby Caesar. It was the Z that got me. It was the Z yes. that got me. And then, of course, Roddy McDowell played Caesar in the sequel, uh, uh, Conquest of the Planet of the Apes, which the funny thing about that is they were shooting this movie and they needed to have a futuristic city for it because it's supposed to be this dystopian uh-huh. hellscape in Earth's future where apes are trained to be manservants to people. And, you know, Caesar can talk and they've hit it and he gets all the other apes to rise up against their human oppressors. And it's a very dark, scary, uh-huh. crazy movie. They they didn't want to build a set for it. But the neighborhood of Century City in L.A. had been finished with construction, oh. but hadn't opened to be office space yet. It was just an empty neighborhood. So if you watch that movie, Conquest of the Planet of the Apes, they filmed the entire thing in an empty century city right off of Santa Monica Boulevard. And it looks like a 1960s yeah. version of what a scary futuristic society would look like. Now it just looks very 1960s. Oh but that's going to make some people watch that crazy film again. It's a wild picture. Well, they, they it was a, it was a, how to say, a, a product of its time and it, it had, yes. you know, like some, some unhappy things in it uh, as well. But, uh, and when I say unhappy, I mean, unfortunate, uh, but, uh, the yes. message that it tells is like, you know, be careful. We have a yeah. future that can really go sideways on us. Like right no, now, it is things can so really crazy that, that Heston went from that movie, which is just like everything the hippies talked about. That whole movie is so yeah. progressive. The first part of the apes. And by the way, Heston is beautiful in it his performance is great yeah. he's over the yeah. top and he, he he bellows but he's so charismatic i fell so in love with him as a kid watching that story and then of course the sequel yeah. is just nihilism and they end the world but for heston to go from a, a progressive sci-fi movie like planet of the apes exactly. to being this wretched lobbyist for death merchants it's just a really sad story so today i i remember how great he was in that movie and, and a couple Thank of other you. films he was yeah. terrific in touch yeah. of and evil was, he, by orson welles he was there shoulder to shoulder with like harry belafonte back in the 60s he was there he was there with harry belafonte and james baldwin and marlon brando and paul newman they were all there for dr king's march on washington he was a civil rights icon and then he got old and the roles dried up and like ronald reagan they 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 paid him to be a right-wing crank because he got old men to open up their wallets and donate to causes so you know and he he's awful and 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 but like you know what he's great in kenneth Branagh's hamlet he plays the player king it's his last great role for the play within a play and it's Heston playing a ham shake. Oh, well, no one saw it. It's four hours long. Only I saw it. But it, it's, you know, for the play within a play, Heston plays the player king playing this ham Shakespearean actor. And he is right. wonderful. He's like in his 80s and he's great in the role. I remember so, uh, the interview that he did with Michael Moore and Michael basically yeah. uh, showed what uh, Chuck Heston's life had become. And yeah, huh? you know, when you're an actor, I don't think you can you can really choose who your fans are. It's like there you are as an actor, and you're trying to uh, be the art. And uh, then also you've got um, how to say you know your morals and, and what you think. That's right. But um, but if, it, if I if I may, you know the thing about that movie. Oh, yeah. Well, the thing about that movie, uh, Bowling for Columbine, uh, which won the uh-huh. Oscar for Best Documentary, the last Oscar winning picture Heston ever got to be in. And I loved him as Moses, too. But he comes off so badly in that film and so indifferent to the children slaughtered that he, here's what happened okay. in the timeline. They came out and announced that he had dementia right before that movie opened. Mm-hmm. 
purely as damage control. So Fox News attacked Michael Moore for abusing an old man with dementia so he could win an Oscar. And the reality was Heston never came Heston never came out and admitted he had dementia. They did it after the scene was shot in the film. I mean, Heston was out there on the last SAG strike. He was, as a right-wing crank, he was still out there with a picket, uh, on the picket line for for SAG in the last strike in the 90s. But they did it purely to get ahead of the story because they knew how bad he was going to look. I think your observation about the comparison to him and what Reagan did and what Reagan chose to do is a really useful observation because Reagan was basically seduced by Nancy and her dad's power and uh, became the the tool and the monster that he was. I mean, he he went after everything that was counterculture in California because he was like buddies with the power structure. Dude, you're so right. um, And so the the point of, of understanding when people go sideways like he he knew where the bread was buttered and he followed that he he lost his way he absolutely yep. lost his way and yep. um donald trump has always uh been the wrong path uh his whole life yes. and what i called about and thank you for letting us talk so damn much about everything else oh um, sure donald trump is at these these moments of of uh press press conference uh, impromptu at the uh, the New York court. And the things that he is saying and the things that get out ahead of that as he's like doing the tweets and stuff before he was given a, a gag order is mm-hmm. all about seeding what he can for the election of the New York governor, I think, more than anything else. I am, I am of the opinion from beforehand that if Donald Trump is able to get Albany Republican, meaning governor, governorship turned Republican, a mm-hmm. governor of a Republican stripe will simply undo all sorts of things in unprecedented ways of governorship power. Maybe. But, and, you know, uh, he's got a long he's got a long wait. Kathy Hochul just got elected well, to a full term. He's got a long wait okay, to make good. that happen. Good. I'm yeah. on the outside looking in, and I'm. And I'm oh yeah, Kathy Hochul just got elected to, uh, to to Cuomo's new term, so she's she's not going anywhere. Awesome. She's not going to do that for Trump. I think Trump's whole goal is to bring this to his Supreme Court, which he still thinks will be ringers for him, or at All least right. just delay it with endless appeals. And he's already crafted his narrative, even though it was his side that didn't want the jury. He's going to play victim and say it was a judge who hated me and a DA and a, an yeah. attorney general yeah, who hated that's, me. That's what I'm. That's what I'm able to keep up with, you know. I mean, yeah, he's going to fundraise off of that. He's not going to be able to outrun it. Is so much better. Oh, <laughs> well, that's because I don't have a life, and now my show's on at night, so I have to spend all day thinking about this. <laughs> it used to be we were on the daytime, and I could go do other things at five p.m., but not anymore. This is my life all day. Uh, so, you got well, that right, man. You're wonderful, and I I am always benefited by having the the good fortune of being able to hear you and your opinion as you're trying to. Uh, suss things out and um, figure out how we might make a better future. Thank you. I mean, I just want to be part of it, and I'm glad you are, too. Thank you so much. We're at 866-997-47. Hey, everyone, it's Chris Hauseld. John, when did Charlton Heston die? Uh, when did he die? He, uh, I, I can look it up. I think he was right, he's dead, right? He died. He's, he's completely dead, yes. Quite, quite. How quite. can that be? What are you talking uh, about? 
Well, I'm looking at Google. He he commented. Why are you on making me house? look this up? You have this already. He died in 2008. By my good man. It, that makes no sense. He he had a he commented on the House GOP. What did he say? You maniac! You blew it up! Ah, oh, damn you! God damn you all to hell! Hmm. You know, my wife turns to me and she goes, this is the movie you want to make our child watch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, also... Very dark fair when I was a kid. I have a very healthy child who's not into end of the world movies like me. Though, well, I mean, the Planet of the Apes has a very dedicated fan base. It's like Star Trek in that way. Um, I agree. And, and like Star Trek, it's got a lot of bad sequels. You were talking about Beneath the Planet of the Apes, and this is a thing that I, I remember because I just saw this fact the other day. <laughs> Tell me, please. No one ever talks about the movie Beneath the Planet of the Apes. I mean, it's the sequel, and Heston's in it, and he's only in it for like five minutes. Go ahead. The set for the underground lair is a recycled set from Hello, Dolly. No. For the Harmonia Garden set, redressed. That is so funny. Yeah, because it was all part, because Hello, Dolly was considered a flop the year before it was, a flop. It was made. It was a flop. It was a flop. And uh, the, the the studio just needed to recycle everything to try and shave some shave some wow. budget down and make some money. Now that's a movie I can let my kid watch, and my kid loves Hello Dolly because Louis Armstrong's in it. <laughs> we are at eight six six nine nine seven forty seven forty eight. Gordon is on the line from Illinois. Gordon, thank you for waiting on hold. You're on progress. Hey there, I've uh, I've got a couple of quick trivia things for you. Charles Hessen. Okay. Charlton Hessen. Don Rumsfeld and your very good friend Hal Sparks all went to the very same high school, New Trier, in uh, Wilmette, Illinois. Wow! I'll have to see. I'll, I'll have to uh, to let Hal brag about that next time I see him. He must be very at proud. the same yeah. time. Uh, yeah, at the same well, time. My, you have I, no idea. Hal's, Hal's health regimen. Yeah, my God. Don. Yeah, Hal. Hal is. Uh, he's he's preserved himself very well. Uh, my father actually went to high school with Don Rumsfeld. They were friends. Um, oh. And at the very same time, in the same class as my father, 1948, uh, was future judge uh, Arthur Dunn, who uh, decided the the case that let the Nazi Party march in Skokie, Illinois. Uh, so wow. So came out of Nutrier. Wow, that, that, that's amazing. I, I I don't think anyone. I mean, a couple famous people, a, a pro wrestler and Kevin James went to my high school. But wow, I gotta I gotta ask Hal about this. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, you 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 look up Nutrier, and there's a lot of famous and infamous <laughs> people that came out of there. <laughs> yeah, I must say. Well, at least we have Hal Sparks there to balance out all the miscreants. What else you got? Yeah, yeah. He's, that was that was pretty much it. One quick question: If if Hakeem Jeffries was to run for speaker again. Um, how many of the Republicans would he need to switch sides to vote for him to get it? Because I could pretty much see McCarthy doing that just as a quick screw you. I mean, I, I, I think crowd. it would be he would need five or he would need five or six. McCarthy wouldn't do it, though. Um, but he will be voted for. You know, when when they had those 15 votes for McCarthy last January, Every Democrat voted for Hakeem Jeffries on all 15 ballots. And when they have their vote between Steve Scalise and Jim Jeffries, you will see every Democrat vote for Hakeem Jeffries yet again. Well, yeah, of course. But uh, if, if just a few of as 
as even McCarthy put it, the adults in the room uh, on the Republican side voted for Hakeem, that would kind of silence the nutcases for a while. It would also end, it would also end their careers. So they won't do it. Yeah, they would be they would be pri- they, right. no they would they would be primaried before the sun set they would be done so it wouldn't happen but but it would be it sure would be entertaining but they you know I mean maybe if they had terminal diseases and they knew they only had six months to live and they hated the party that had given them the career I could see it happening but well, I, otherwise it's it's a pipe dream no they they will nominate another horrible white person who will be beholden oh, to Donald yeah. Trump. And who will be caught between shutting down the government and being obedient to Trump. Whoever gets it is screwed. Bad but true. Yes, sir. Well, that's all I had. <laughs> I appreciate it. Have Thanks a great so evening. I, it's good to hear from you, you Gordon. Todd in Michigan. Thank you for waiting on hold. You're on SiriusXM. Todd from Maine. Hello? Oh, Todd from Maine. Maine. So Maine sorry. I'm so sorry, Todd. You have to move to Michigan now. It's the rule. Yeah, I'm so sorry. If there's a typo in my system, it means you're obliged to relocate. So get on that. <laughs> I did, uh, I was in your film from, uh, sexy liberal, uh, Boston. You were in, oh, you were in the movie. Yeah, yeah, Current TV shot a big documentary. That was was when it was was Aisha Tyler and me and Stephanie Miller. That was a great show and a really fun movie. Yeah. I, I, oh, that's her name, Tyler. I, I ran after her, but, uh, she ran, she ran away. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, a lot of guys, I, I ran after her for years and I finally gave up. I get it. All right, uh, Stephen King is a good guy. He, he is a great very guy. Very good. He is, and um, you're a good guy. Well, that's nice of you to say, but Stephen King's the most successful author of all time, so he he wins on well, that account. You're you're a uh, achievement. Well, thank you. In Maine, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. I love Maine, and I, I only yeah. met Stephen King once, but he was a real prince to me. So that's lovely of you to well, see. Well, I changed, I changed his lights, his street lights, and he bought us coffee. You nice. Know, he didn't have to. He did. Yeah. He did. He did. Nice. He didn't have to. You know, I met him. I, I met him in 1990. I was really young. I was just a kid, but I went and saw Ooh. Dustin Hoffman in, in *The Taming of the Shrew*, and Stephen King was there, and yeah. nobody. None of the Shakespeare fans recognized that as Stephen King. I was the only person yeah. in the audience who knew who yeah. it was. And this is right after yeah. Donald Trump had <laughs> left his first wife and was taking Marla Maples out every night. And Marla Maples, her only acting credit had been in the movie Stephen King directed, Maximum Overdrive. So when I met Stephen King as a kid, I said to him, I just want to say I blame you for Donald Trump and Marla Maples being in my headlines every night because you gave her a career. And he's like, oh, I guess you're right. Oh. So... Yeah, you're a lot smarter than I am, but all uh, I did is change the street light, and uh, he had uh, big fences with scary things on his fence, <laughs> <laughs> I guess but he bought it. us all coffee, oh, you know, he didn't nice. have to, uh, but, and, he's a great he, writer. and then he, he is, he is a great entrepreneur, because, yeah. or whatever you call it, uh, he, he donated a uh, baseball field mm-hmm. in Bangor, Banger. That's right. I didn't, I just met her, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I listen to Stephanie Miller all the time, you know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, you sound, you sound like that kind of referee. I've listened to Stephanie Miller. Son, I can't, <laughs> I don't know how to tell you, that's, that's, that's gonna, she's going to lead you astray, that woman. Watch out. 
<laughs> I could lead her astray. You know what I'm saying? Uh, many many um, men have tried, my friend. <laughs> many men have tried, but I they have would, not made it to the mountain. I would, I would like to give a try, but whatever. Um, but uh, <laughs> You know, you might want to start with Ellen DeGeneres first and see how that goes, but go ahead and take your best shot at Stephanie. <laughs> hey, I've been my wife for 43 years, so. Oh, lucky, like lucky all lady. I can handle. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I know what you're saying, man, but your your wife sounds like a very lucky lady, and it sounds like you live in a very fun house, Todd, I got to tell you. I do. I do. You're keeping I Maine do. swinging from what I can detect from this call. You're keeping Maine a fun I place. Am, and... I'm, I am swinging. <laughs> right on, man. Hey, listen, God bless you. Have a great... What's your favorite Stephen King book? Ooh, it. Oh, Gutsy Call, man. It? Gutsy Call. Very good. Very good. That's coming up this month. I mean, it's uh, it's been advertised on TV-ish. Oh, yeah. Found, yeah, yeah. Found that it, movie whatever. scared the hell out of me when I was young. Scared the hell out of me as a kid. <laughs> I'm more of a, more of a Salem's Lot, the stand guy. But, uh, but you know, Pet Cemetery, the book, the book, not the movie. The book still disturbs me every night. Thank you so much for calling. It's a pleasure to hear from you, man. Call us you more often, it. okay? Quick break. We got to take. We'll be right back in just a moment to take more of your calls. This is Progress After Dark. I'll have what he's having. This is SiriusXM. I'm John Fugelsang. It is my great pleasure to welcome back to the program Dr. Tracy Pearson, who is a terrific legal analyst and consultant you've seen on TV and radio and podcasts everywhere from Forbes to New York Post to Cheddar News to News Nation. Dr. Tracy, please welcome back and make this world make sense. Hello. Hello. How are you? It is insanity these last few days. And and I keep coming on the show and I keep thinking that maybe it'll get just a, just a tad bit better the world. And it doesn't. Well, no, no, no. Hang on. Hang on now. Let's not let's not, you know, be callous about this. Three things you need to remember to come off the ledge. Number one, yesterday, the White House announced for the first time that the big pharmaceutical companies will begin sitting down with the government to negotiate lower drug prices. That's an incredible victory. Number two, they announced nine billion more in student loan debt forgiveness today. Number three. We have the first black, openly lesbian senator from California who was sworn in today by Vice President Harris. And I want to play a, a quick little clip. This is Senator LaFonza Butler's first statements about the expectations she has set for herself as she replaces the late Dianne Feinstein. To lead all of the legislative battles that you have heard and have read uh, over the last few days and just here today, Senator Feinstein is an example of the gift of Emily's List. She had the courage to want to run. She worked hard to win. And when she, uh, when she won, she did the work to change the world. And to be able to, to sit in her seat, um, knowing that I will never be able to fill her shoes, uh, is the honor of a lifetime. So come on. We, there's some good news. It just didn't make the headlines as much as the rank Republican fuckery, doctor. Here, here for Senator Butler. Uh, she's obviously from my state. I'm very happy about this. Um, I am excited about the fact that, that she is there and um, disappointed about the stuff that I saw beforehand about people sort of laying claim to, to the vacated seat uh, of Dianne Feinstein. But um, 
you're right. You're right. There are some good things in the world. The problem is, John, is that I sat yesterday on the couch and I watched the TV and I, I watched all of the fuckery. And, and yes. I got to say, I, 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 I was going insane on Twitter trying to keep up with with what was basically histrionics and stupidity all day. Now, I love all of the listeners and they're not dumb, but I, I absolutely can't take about half of Twitter because they just don't get it right. And they're histrionic. And I've had enough. Like, so let's talk about it because you about. well, let's let, let's yeah, talk about ahead. it because I, I, I like where you're coming from. Your take is a bit different. You know, my take was. If the Democrats, they, they could have kept him around. They could have enjoyed the dysfunction between him and the caucus more. Maybe a Steve Scalise will actually be more effective and the Democrats will wish they had kept, you know, McCarthy around. But you actually think the Democrats made a real dumb play by participating in this McCarthy, McCarthy business. I, I thought a number of dumb things happened yesterday. But yes, I, I thought it was a dumb play. And here's my perspective that this was the Republicans fight. This was MAGA who was moving against McCarthy to oust him. And so what did the Democrats do? They empowered MAGA. And what they should have done is sat back and ate popcorn, you know, and watched, watched well, the like, Republican Party they, fight they have, with each should other. They have, should they have just voted present and let McCarthy stay? I think they should have voted present and let it play out. I think that that, you know, it is it is inaccurate to say that they just voted the same way they did every other time. That's not true. They voted for Hakeem Jeffries for 15 rounds. That is Mm -hmm. different than voting for the guy who has the seat to vacate the seat. That is an affirmative act. And that is very, very different. And so what they should have done is essentially voted present. And, and let that play out because it wasn't their fight. And it was interesting to me because I saw um, a former speaker, Speaker Emerita Pelosi post or, yes. or, or tweet that, that this, was, this was the decision of the Republican caucus. It wasn't the decision of, of the Democrats and that they should allow them to, to basically deal with their own problem. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Right. Then Hakeem Jeffries comes out and says, because of Kevin McCarthy and his refusal to, to disavow the extreme MAGA group, we're going to vote against him. And, and I thought, well, wait a minute, those two things aren't the same. Those are not the same at all. And, okay. and so I think some wires got crossed. Now, only Speaker Pelosi could, could, could clarify that, I think. But, but in my mind, it, this was not the Democrats' fight. And what they did was they inserted themselves into the fight, this idea that they could have, that they, were, they weren't going to save him. They could have not saved him silently. But they were right. choosing to affirmatively vote against him. And I thought, well, how freaking stupid. That's just, they should wow. just sit back and eat popcorn. Normally, you Don't and I are on the it. same page on these things. I, I actually view it as that the Democrats didn't vote to get rid of him at all. The Democrats voted to not save him again. That after the lies he had told them and then bailing on an agreement he had, he had made with the White House and then having the temerity to go on face the nation and actually lie and say that he was the hero because it was the Democrats who wanted to shut down the government. I think they were, had no more fucks left to give and that they but- just thought, well, then, you know what? You guys can do what you want to do. But honestly, Tracy, I've been saying for a couple days now, the Democrats did not vote to get rid of him. That's what Republicans did. And it was McCarthy who agreed to this absurd motion to vacate rule from just one person. All the Democrats did was vote to not save this guy again. And and that is that is a way to see it. I, I guess what I'm saying is that they they voted 
to get rid of him. And that was an affirmative act. They didn't have to mm -hmm. do that. And so, um, yes, he absolutely lies and he trashes the Democrats. But he's always done that. And and so has many, many, many speakers who were Republican. Um, right. He is a jackass. He is somebody who who praises Biden behind the scenes and, and talks nasty about him on TV. I get all that. I mean, again, but, after the after the, after the, the impeachment inquiry against Joe Biden, I think the Democrats would look like punks if they had done anything else. I get what you're saying, and I respect yeah. the logic behind it. I just I'm not surprised they voted the way they voted. I think if Kevin McCarthy had a brain in his head, he could have made nice with Democrat. All he had to do was just make nice on a couple of things. He could have cut a deal and they would have saved him. But he didn't want the job that bad. And, and, and I hear that. And I guess where I am is we knew that devil. We knew how to deal with him. We got the government yeah. functioning and, and we got that bill passed, at least a continuing resolution. Now what we have is a, a um, I guess what I've called him is McHenry Petty Poopy Pants, who has, oh. has, has, has said that, that you Pelosi and Hoyer have to get out of their, their hideaway offices in the Capitol that, um, you know, he's exacting revenge on behalf of Kevin McCarthy um, and that uh, he he's a jackass. We've got, yeah. you know, this fight going on about who should be the speaker. And we get all these, you know, a segment of idiots that want to have Trump as a speaker when he is, in fact, precluded, at least by current rule um, mm -hmm. of the GOP caucus. Um, and again, I am with you 100 percent. Like he would have to work. He would have to completely work. He'd have to be there every day. You'd have to be in the office. You'd have to be doing stuff. He's not going to do that. You didn't know how to do that. He can't even sit at a table quietly and and not make facial gestures and and grunt and groan and freak out um, when today, he's sitting yes. in a trial. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're exactly right. Um, and you know and what, so what got it, me was yeah. that. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, Doctor. No, ahead. no, 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 no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, that so many Republicans, and I began the show ranting about this today, that so many of our Republican friends tried to spin this as, look what the Democrats did. Ari Fleischer was like, look what the Democrats did. The Democrats are getting revenge on McCarthy because they hate his politics and they hate blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, you know, that, that's, the, that's the gaslighting. That's the disinformation. The Democrats did nothing. They stand back and let the circular firing squad shoot themselves. And that's what happened. I mean, now I'll bet you anything that before there's another speaker, they will get rid of this ridiculous rule of having only one person can call a motion to vacate. Yes. And and but what they and this is why, why we're sort of disagreeing here is that they did do something. They voted to get rid of him. And so yeah. had they stepped back and just let it play out, that argument would not have been there as to what mm. look at what they did. They did mm -hmm. that. No, it would have been, well, they didn't do anything. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, we look, didn't do anything. I, it's your problem. No, you're right. And look, there's there's still always the chance that whoever is replacing McCarthy oh. will be much worse for Democrats and much worse for democracy. If it's a Jim Jordan, great. He'll be inept. He'll be a clown. It'll only highlight more attention on his past he doesn't want people talking about. I'm afraid if it's a Scalise... Even an impaired yes. Scalise recovering from chemo, that Scalise will be ruthlessly effective because he'll appeal to the Nazi wing and the moderate wing that's wrong about everything. He's a guy that could get, you know, Matt Gates to say yes to his appointment. And um, but again, you know, Scalise, their best shot is the guy who called himself David Duke without the baggage, who, you know, had his life saved by a black lesbian cop. And he still wants to make sure her marriage is illegal. 
I think either one of these guys, if they become speaker, will be a fundraising, get out the vote bonanza for the Democratic Party in the House. Absolutely. I agree with that. And I am worried about who it will be, because, again, I think the devil that you know is better than the devil you don't know. Well, I know them all. They're all devils, lady. They're all devils. All of them. (laughs) Let's uh, let let me go to the phones and bring some of our riffraff into this. Do you want to take some calls, doctor? Bring in the riffraff. Bill in New Jersey, you've been on hold forever. Thank you for your patience. You're on Sirius XM. Hey, what's up? Bill. Hello. Hey. Hey. 91, yeah, 91 crimes of of Trump under law. 91 crimes of Trump. Take him down and convict the clown. 90 crimes under the law by Trump. Anyway. Lovely. I like it. He worked okay. on that all day, didn't you? You worked on that all day. He was ready. Well, my writer was ready. There you go. Yeah. I'm glad they're off strike. I'm glad <laughs> I'm glad your writers are off the picket line and finally back composing ditties for you. That's yeah, good. I'm feeding them this time. It works better. So <laughs> oh, uh, great. Their terms were so simple. But anyway, I, you know, this crazy thing that it was Giuliani who was drunk at the time he told Trump that uh, he should go out and say that he won and that, you know, yeah. that whole lie came from him. And that was the night that his handler, his assistant, went wherever he went to keep him from, you know, getting himself in trouble. And she wasn't there that election night. Mm. And uh, and it's just weird because, you know, how Trump doesn't drink and all that stuff because of his brother. Well, you know, I thought that was a good thing, except for he sold wine under his name, Trump wine. That's but right. Anyway, he did. Yeah. But so the whole thing is at the foot of this idiot. Has been Gates. whatever. Matt Gates, you mean? Wait, which which idiot? Let's narrow it down. You mean Giuliani? <laughs> I'm talking about Giuliani. Okay, yeah, Giuliani. Well, yeah, he's look, he's a linchpin on so much of it. I've said for a long time, Tracy, you're not allowed to pop your popcorn until the day Giuliani and Trump mm-hmm. turn on each other, and that day is still coming. There's a there's a scene in, in West Wing where where Toby says, you know, do not rain on my day of jubilee. Do not pop that champagne until we've got the last vote for the Supreme Court justice. And that is exactly right. We don't want to celebrate anything until we got we got this put a down and, and dealt with. That's it. Well, I think the best bet is if some Republicans uh, who are in states where they're going to lose their terms should just move over to the Democrats and. Mm. To their state, we'll, we'll forgive them for that. And yeah, the, uh, any Republican who does that is a Republican who doesn't want the job anymore, man. Well, as soon as we have one Republican enough moves over, we get rid of that idiot uh, from New York, um, Santos, and then we go after the ones who were part of the January 6th, uh, and we'll just clean out Congress. I, I mean, that's the I whole mean, thing. It, like, you'd have to lose over 100 members of the Republican caucus in the House because over 100 of them voted to throw out American democracy. I mean, we still talk yeah, about but, the thugs and the MAGA hats. We don't talk about the thugs in bad suits that same night who voted to throw out the votes. all you have to do is buy them off. You know, congressmen are cheap. You could probably like tens of millions of dollars. You I could agree. No, I'm, I support this. Lot. I call it I call it bribe back better. And I see no reason why we can't do it. I mean, I think call me naive, but I think we the people can do a better job of yeah. bribing our elected officials than professional lobbyists. Start with Mansion and Cinema and bribe right. them all. Yes. Michael well, Bloomberg, here's your chance to save democracy. 
Except that when you do that sort of thing. No, except when you do that sort of thing, what happens is they put on the hat of of the Democrat, right? But then they vote like Republicans. And you don't want that. What we want is people of integrity who who actually believe in the things that we believe in and support the causes that we support. And so what we got to do is get rid of these people. And I think that we are. But we're we're not going to do it based on democracy. We're going to do it based on uh, reproductive freedom. So uh, I think that... uh that's the only way forward. I, it's, it, you know, I'm scared at this point. God knows what's going to happen. You know, um, yeah. a little uptight. I'm well, scared I, all the time, but, you know, yeah. I have this crazy left-wing theory that God's in charge and that, you know, mm-hmm. authoritarians always fail, crushed under the weight of their right. own arrogance. It, it, right. And do you remember Betty Ford? Of course. You know, Betty Ford, the whole clinic yes. and everything. In those yeah. days, in the 70s, you know, she took the shame out of, uh, you know, being an addict and everything. She sure and did. That was she re- sure Republican. did. Oh, she helped a lot more people than her husband, I'll tell you that. Right. Oh, what makes you bring up Betty Ford? Wait, wait, wait. Why are you bringing up Betty Ford? Is this non-sequitur hour? What's going on? <laughs> because of the thing about hunters, drugs, and all that. And uh, I um, see. Yes. You know, sorry, I'm I'm two paces that. behind you. I'm trying to catch up. Thank you for the context. I get oh, it. It's a good uh, point. Uh, I'm sorry. But no, about, Hunter Biden. Uh, could, Hunter Biden has a chance to be a real hero in terms of a, a public figure talking about losing your way with drug addiction on a very, very grand scale. I don't know if he'll do it, but uh, he 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 can uh-huh. do a lot of good. I don't know if he'll do a lot of good to his dad's uh-huh. campaign, but he could do a lot of good if he wanted. Right. Well, but one last thing about Planet of the Apes. I think I told you Rod Serling was my professor in film school. You lucky and man. Yes. He, one of the things he talked about was hating that movie. Because, you know, oh. he, he wrote the original script and then uh, yeah. they brought in, uh, I forget, he was a, a blacklisted uh, a, a writer to uh, redo his play. And he didn't think it would do that well. So he only took like $20,000 for the, the script. Hmm. And the, one of the things he was upset was they wouldn't spend the money to make it the way he wanted with like large effects and, you know. I think they made it for five million, and they made like thirty-five million off of it. Yeah, but, um, I mean, I, he, I, he I get it. I know, I know. Serling was, was, was not happy with the final film, but it's, I love it. Right. He was offered a share in it, though, but he only took twenty thousand dollars. So, well, so. at least he got paid. Not bad for a professor. Hey, thank you so much for the call, sure. Bill. We gotta go. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Thea. I'm John Fugelson. Keep it tuned to SiriusXM Progress. Peace. <laughs> 